Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Azband, our daf of the day. Masacha Beitza, daf Kafchet, page 28. Okay, so we have three different Mishnayot on this daf with three different, relatively short but not tiny pieces of Gemara. The last one is tiny. Um, Rabbi Huda Omer, I'm beginning with the first mission at the top of the daf. Rabbi Huda Omer, Shokel Adam Basar, Keneged Hakli, O Keneged Hakofit. So Rabbi Huda says that if you're selling meat on the festival, meaning it is Chag, and you're, the tricky part is here, right? You're not supposed to like go and deal with uh, business things, right? So you want to weigh, you have to weigh the meat, but you have to do it in such a way that it won't be the weekday manner of weighing meat. Um, so it says that you could weigh it against a kli, meaning like some kind of Vessel, I guess that you know how much that is going to weigh, or you can weigh that one after Yantif, I guess. Okay, negative kofits, a kofits is a cleaver. And then what you do is you calculate the weight of the meat when you weigh the when you weigh that vessel later. Okay, and then Chachamim say, um, you don't even look at the pans of a, a maznaim. Think about like the classic balancing scale, you know, where they've got those flat pans where you put things in to have them balance. So you do the balancing, but you, oh no, I'm sorry. Chachamim's point is you can't even look at the balancing scale at all. Meaning don't use it. Don't mess with it. Don't use it to, to weigh, not with a clean, not with anything. Rabbi Yehuda's position here is, I would say more makil, at least with regard to weighing the meat. Um, it is perhaps more machmir in terms of like making sure that, People are not stealing the the amount of meat that they take. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm going to assume that we go with Muhammad just because of the rules of halacha, right, which says that if you've got a, a majority opinion versus a minority, for the most part, the majority wins. Um, we're going to see how this pans out a little bit in the Gemara, except for that we're not going to do all of the Gemara here. So the Gemara picks this up and says, my kolikar, right? Kolikar was the last line of Chachamim saying, like, you can't look at the balance scale at all for anything. So the Gemara says, what does that mean? Like, you can't look at them at all. This is even if you had meat there and you want to make sure that you don't have any mice, you want to protect your meat, don't put it on the scale because it's going to look like you're weighing it, meaning don't put it up in the air on the scale that's going to keep it away from the mice because somebody might see that and think that it looks like you're weighing the meat, which would be Again, you know, the weekday thing that you're not supposed to do on Yantif. Amarav Idibar Avin, Vahud Talia Batrita. So Rav Idibar Avin says that's where we're talking about a scale that's hanging on a ring to begin with. Meaning, if it was hanging in some way that it could be like up in the air and you could keep your meat away from the mice and it would have no appearance of actually being a scale that would actually look like the weekday thing, then you're fine. I feel like. You know, on the one hand, he's stating the obvious. On the other hand, if he didn't state the obvious, we not we might might not be able to infer it. Um, you know, because we might say, but it says Kali Kar. So Rev Yidi has done us a great favor here by saying by making the point that it really is about the appearance, the appearance of the weighing that's the problem, not the actual uh, placement on the on the Mosnaim itself. Like it's not there's no like magic problem with putting it on the scale, except for that it appears to be that you're weighing it. So if you could somehow have the the 
device hanging in such a way that it couldn't possibly weigh, I don't know, yet, like one is all doubled up maybe, and then the other one is down, but then you could put your meat there and keep it from away from the mice, then you could use it. Okay, so now the Gemara goes on. The Amar of Yehuda Amar Shmuel, Tabach Uman, Asur Lishkol Basar Biyad. And this, I think, is very, very interesting. It's an, an expert butcher, meaning somebody who really knows his stuff. And somebody who really knows his stuff, he's around the, his product all the time. He can tell, even by hand, you know, how much, you know, is that a kilo? Is that a half a kilo? Is that a pound? People know when they really deal with the same measures all the time. So this Tabach Uman, a, an expert, a skilled uh, butcher, um, he, can't, he can't even measure it out by hand. He says, and, and let's take that a step further, right? An expert butcher also cannot weigh the meat even in water, meaning what would they do? They would put like the weight of the meat in a tub. They would put the meat in a tub of water and then you'd see how much water would be displaced and then you would know how much meat you have. And that's kind of, let's put it this way. If I were doing that, it would be very inaccurate, right? It would be very inexact because I don't really know what I'm doing. And then I would have to measure the water afterwards and it'd be very complicated and I'm sure quite messy as well. But if you're an expert butcher, then you know how much water your meat displaces. And then you have, you know, then once you're an expert butcher, you can't be handling the meat for to give it to a customer on Yantif. I think that's the bottom line. I Meaning it doesn't say that that starkly, but I think that's the bottom line. Um, Okay, there's other he- things here that are prohibited in terms of how you handle the meat on the festival because it looks like a weekday act. Um, but we're gonna, I'm gonna hand this over to you, Yardana, for the next bit. So, you know, I think this stuff is just a series of interesting Mishnahs that, again, I think hone into the fact that like their food preparation or things that they had to do are very different than today. And this is really the essence of the discussion about the Mishnah that I'm gonna read. So you can't sharpen a knife on a festival. Now remember, this was probably fairly important, especially because shakting was allowed and you really had to like flay your meat, cut your meat, all this kind of stuff. So you need, you can't sharpen your knife sort of in its regular weekday manner, but you can do it in a way that's not typical, which here the example is to run one knife over another. And that's how you would sharpen um, the blade. And so the Gemara then gets into an interesting machlokas that takes place. And I'm actually going to read a piece of the Gemara from Amud Bet, which is, you know, uh, this machlokas between Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim. That the Chachamim basically say, you can do whatever you need to do that's directly related to food preparation. And Rabbi Yehuda is basically going to allow activity um, that sort of facilitates food preparation. So that's why you could sharpen a knife, you know, maybe in a way that typically, you know, uh, they give examples there of different ways that you could sharpen it that according to Rabbi Huda would be okay because it's facilitating, uh, you know, that you're going to have to prep your food. And if you don't have a good knife, you're not going to be able to prepare. Whereas the Chachamim say you, you, you wouldn't be allowed to do this. So so Rav Chista taught, and some say it was Rav Yosef, So if you have a knife that became nicked on, on a chag, right, or a roasting skewer that was crushed, right? Or let's say you need to sweep the coals in an oven and a stove on, on, 
on a Yom Tov in order to make them ready to be used, right? Um, so we get to a machloka between Rabbi Yehuda and Ravanan. Ditanya, we learn in a brisa, there's no difference between Yom Tov and Shabbat except for food preparation, right? And we saw this before in the Gemara. Rabbi Yehuda mater af machshirei ochel nefesh. But Rabbi Yehuda has a very interesting kula here. Rabbi Yehuda believes you can even do things that facilitate food preparation. Now here what's interesting is that, you know, one of the things I think we've seen in our, and we were well over into a year of our Jafiomi study is some of the masachot that we have are very heavy on the Midrash Halacha. And some are not. In other words, a Reuven, for example, is an entire set of halachot, which are based just on, you know, a rabbinic set of laws. And then you got to some masachto like Pesachim and Sukkah that had a lot of midrash halacha. Beitzah really has not had so much, but here we actually have one here. My time, what's the reason for this? Right? And so first we're going to go to Tanakama Amar Kra. So first we're going to go to the Tanakama who teaches that you can't, it's prohibited to even do anything that facilitates food preparation. So this is quoting a pasuk in uh, Shmot chapter 12, verse 16, that says basically you could do what a person can eat, and that's the first half of the pasuk, that alone may be done for you. Who below So the fact that it has the word who levado, right? That word, you know, that can be done, right, but not meaning only the action of food preparation itself, below machshirab, not anything that facilitates it. For Yehuda markrat lachem, lachem lachot sarchehem. Rabbi Yehuda takes that word lachem, and he says, no, lachem means, you know, anything that you need. And then we have the counter one, the Tanakama hakitiv lachem. So what does the Tanakama do with this word lachem? Amar lacha hahu lachem below legoyim. So the chem means for you and not for Gentiles, meaning you can, you know, you can prepare food for yourself, but you can't do it for the, for the non-Jew. The Edach Nami, okay, and then for the other side, Hakitiv Hu, what does the Tana do, right, with the word Hu, right, where the first Tana said the word Hu means only food preparation and not anything that facilitates food preparation. Amar Lach Kitiv Hu, Kitiv Lachem. So he would say, right, because isn't it written, you know, it's, it's written that, right, which is right. And it's also written for you, right? You have both of these, these things, right? The low kasha, it's not a kasha. So what this teaches us is that the here, right, the who is teaching us that's referring to actions that help with food preparation that can be performed on Arab Chag. So in other words, that's what the Torah prohibits, not being allowed to be due on Yom Tov. If it was something you could have done before, right? If you could have sharpened your knife before, fine. The there, the Lachem, is referring to things that you could not do before. So in other words, if you nicked your knife on Yom Tov itself, then you're allowed to go ahead and you can fix it because you couldn't have done it before Yom Tov because you only nicked your knife before Yom Tov. And so that's how each, you know, each opinion sort of deals with this pasuk and 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 the word of who and lachem. So, I, you know, I wanted to share this passage because I think it's an interesting machlokas between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbanan, right? Is it just ochel, surah ochel nefesh? 
or is it even the, you know, the, the food preparation, the machshire ochal nefesh, and that we have one of the few examples here where we actually have a midrash halacha to learn at that halacha, which we really have not seen a lot of in this particular masacha. Okay, I have one more Mishnah here, and it really does follow on this, these same topics. Lo yomar adam letabach, a person cannot say to the butcher, shkoli bedinar basar, uh, you know, weigh out for me the a dinar's worth of meat. Rather, the butcher can slaughter the animal and then kind of apportion the, the parts or the amount of the meat, you know, between or among all the customers, as long as he's not stipulating a price. Now, the problem with this Mishnah, I shouldn't say it that way. One of the questions that arises from this Mishnah is the fact that this seems to be the same point as the previous, you know, two Mishnah ago. Right. And so that's a little bit tricky. Like, why would the Mishnah repeat itself? One possibility seems to be that what would happen if people um, make an arrangement with the butcher in advance? So he's going to know how much they want. That seems to be, you know, one of the possibilities underlying underlying this Mishnah. Um, And, you know, another possibility would be that really, and we're going to see this from the Gemara, that he doesn't really want a large portion of meat. He's looking just for something small. Um, the Gemara here does not actually elaborate all that much on the mission itself. It gives, um, I would say, the practicum. It's how does this actually happen? How would this happen? That you know, you can't, you want to have some portion of the meat, you want to buy the meat, you can't do the purchasing, and you cannot appear that you are making any kind of you know monetary transaction on Yantif itself. So, how does it work? So, and here we have this again, I find it very fascinating. It's um, in each different place, the language that would be used for what they, you know, when you go into the butcher to ask for your your apportionment of meat, each place has a different vocabulary. And that's what this little, it's a very short piece of Gemara, and it actually goes on to the top of the next half, um, is what it says. So, ki the besura, in the place of sura, amre, tarta ufalgu tarta. They would say, give me a piece of a tarta, either give me a tarta or uh, a half of a tarta. Now, what's a tarta? Perhaps it's from the from the Greek word meaning three. It's not exactly clear. Maybe that means that a, a half of it would be a sixth. It, it's not so clear what each amount of this is, except for what's clear is that the vocabulary is common to the people and to the butcher. In a place called Neresh, Amri, Chelka, Ufalgu Chelka. They said, give me a part or a half of a part. Meaning that was, again, they, it's not even so fancy that they had special words for it. Give me a part of that meat. Presumably, everybody knew exactly how much that was. But Pumpadita Amre, Uzia Upalgo Uzia, that there was a, again, this same amount, whatever this amount is going to be, maybe it's a sixth, maybe it's a fifth, whatever it is. And then a half of it would be literally the half of it. But each of these amounts that are, give me that portion, that small portion, it all seems to, or half of the portion, it all seems to be a relatively, um, I don't want to say negligible, but a a small piece, a small portion of meat. um, It's really for that day, right? But they're not talking about, I don't know, they're not talking about uh, a leg, right? There's no body parts here. It's just the words that mean a small part. And then, I'm sorry, in Nahar, Pakod and in Matamachasia, these are two different places. But there they would say, Give me Riva Upagu Riva, give me a quarter or half of a quarter, again, meaning that would be an eighth, 
right? And then again, they're simply talking about the size. They're not talking about the price. It's a relatively small size. And then I imagine that the next day they would come back and they would, you know, even out, you know, square up the, the account. All right. I mean, it's interesting to see sort of how this would vary, you know, from place to place. And it's clear that sort of each, I, I guess, like cities sort of had their own way of, of, of doing these types of things and that the language that uses is actually very important. I think we see here that the governor sort of is respecting, you know, sort of what a min, I don't know if you'd call it a min hug, but, you know, sort of what the practice was. And it's, it's a little bit like they really give like, you know, like four examples here. It's Five a little bit of a four examples. Right. It's a little bit of a strange Gemara, I think, because first of all, it's news to me that they wouldn't have all used the same vocabulary, right? They're all speaking Aramaic as a vernacular. They all like it, it it's all it's a kosher butcher. They all have Hebrew, at least some measure of Hebrew also, right? The fact that each place uses a different term is interesting. The fact that the Gemara preserves the fact that each place uses a different term is interesting. And the fact that the Gemara has nothing else to say about this, at least not at this time, you know, it's interesting, but it, it kind of leaves me a little bit high and dry. I, I, I see what you mean by that, but it's, you know, look, I think there were a variety of customs. I mean, the same way, like in the United States or somewhere else, you know, it's, I mean, Bubble was still big and there were a lot of different cities. And I think fair. people spoke differently in different places. So, you know, I, I think that's what you're seeing here. And it's, I look at it more as like those types of issues of, uh, you know, differences in terminology, language, you know, to see that that's always been kind of the case with humans wherever they live, that each town sort of develops its own unique standards. Uh, we see even here in the pages of the Gemara. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Ebenezer Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hodgman website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.